This is Design School. Well, Ben Schoen, thank you for joining us on This is Design School today. I was really happy when you responded back and we were able to catch you while you're in town. So one thing I wanted to start off and ask was, was how did you find your way into design? Mm -hmm. And then what was that path like for you? Sure, sure. Yeah, I think, um, you know, first of all, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to do this and, you know, have a good conversation about like the past and like where I've kind of grown a designer and kind of get at, um, you know, some different nuggets that I think will be helpful for your listeners or at least interesting. Because yeah. um, I think every designer has sort of a different pathway. Uh, it's always interesting to hear the different ones. So I meant for me, you know, I don't know, growing up, I, I, I grew up in Indiana and, you know, like a medium sized city. You know, it was like high school yearbook was like my thing and that was it. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know that was graphic design. I thought it was journalism. And, you know, I was really into yearbook and that was in the journalism department. And, you know, I didn't I did some of the writing, but it was mostly the layouts and the photography and the typography and doing all that. But um, there was no context of calling design. And then so I went to undergraduate school and I started out as a journalism major and I liked doing all the parts that didn't involve the reporting and the writing. <laughs> I liked putting together the newspaper or working on the school magazine mm -hmm. um, and sort of like realized in you know, undergraduate school that that was graphic design. Yeah. And so I took more classes in that and really got into um, graphic design that way. And I, and I think maybe the, the crux of it was, you know, and I think this is maybe a, a, a thread throughout the different jobs I've had. It was like the, the, the cool part about yearbook or you know, these different, you know, magazines and newspapers in college, it was kind of content driven. So it was all like kind of story narrative, like content driven. And I feel like that's one thing I connected to from a design standpoint, as opposed to just the visual aesthetics or something like that. Mm -hmm. That's interesting, too, because um, my undergraduate was also in communication mm -hmm. and not design. I took a lot of design classes from JP. But I, especially when I was in school at that time, I felt like that was something that separated me from the other people in design class was that focus on content mm -hmm. and really knowing how that came about and everything. Yeah, yeah, I think that's huge. I mean, the having taken, a, you know, a year or two of journalism classes, mm -hmm. you get really versed in, like, storytelling and content and, like, narratives and per personalities. And I feel like that was really what inspired me to, you know, get into all these different projects and kind of work on, you know, whether it's a magazine or videos or friends, student films or something like that. Like I always did the kind of graphic parts of it, but it mm -hmm. was like the content and the story that really kind of motivated me throughout those projects. Yeah. Was there a particular moment where you remember realizing that all the things you were interested in was actually not journalism and design? Was there like a moment of realization that came about i mean I, th I definitely think you know uh that freshman year at uh, i went to webster university in st louis and i took fundamentals for reporting and i was like this is hard and like not as fun as like all the other kind of media classes i was taking and i think oh i was like oh this and then you know just when you kind of become that age in undergrad where you kind of get to control and choose what you pick in, in a way that you never had in your life before like you know, growing up and going to grade school and high school, it's like you kind of set on a path based off of, you know, what your teachers and your parents pick. And then all of a sudden you go away and you're kind of like on your own and you're kind of like able to kind of mold 
and choose your courses, or at least that was the way for me in, in my undergrad. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was that was it. And I was like, oh, I'm just gonna choose all the, the classes that I can make stuff, you know, and like have projects that feel like they have, you know, tangible creative results to them. Um, and uh, that took place in the communication school as opposed to the art school. Um, so that was sort of the unique trajectory, um, which I really enjoyed too, because the communication school was, um, there was uh, video and film and audio. So I was, you know, doing uh, radio DJ kind of in the evenings uh, <laughs> on campus. And um, we kind of started a, a school magazine. Um, and so there was like all these outlets that were part of the creative, the communication school that I found really great. And, and mm-hmm. um, I don't know if like school, like a school of art always has that same outlet for those things the way that a school of communication does yeah because they're less a little bit less focused on things like distribution like getting things out versus yeah. they're a little bit more focused inside it's funny because i have a very similar uh experience that i started off in journalism and then worked my way from the yearbook into a graphic design class and then uh, decided to find an individualized major combining journalism and graphic design because i felt that what i lacked in journalism was the visual and what I loved about journalism was the storytelling component mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. it and I had a way to combine the two together in that medium of visual communication mm-hmm. and that was what really drived me into both graduate school but as well as the things that I do on a, as a regular basis mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah absolutely I think it's it's a really and I don't maybe there are universities out there that do merge those two things together but usually the School of Art and the School of Communications are separate entities that necessarily don't play well with each other. Yeah. But um, I think there's a lot of overlap between those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's certainly pros and cons to it. I think coming out of undergrad, my like technical skills were not, you know, I wasn't terribly good at formal graphic design or drawing or sketching. Like those things were not as well as polished as it was. I was really good at, you know, distribution and like making things happen and like, you know, putting projects together, getting a team of people. And I think that was a big thing, too, was like with these school of communication projects, you're kind of forced to like have these group teams, whether it's like the newspaper staff or like the radio station, you know, student group. I feel like that's a part, too, that I connected to was like that collaboration uh, that's part of those. And I really like that part of it. And I feel like that's something I've kind of strived for in uh, different projects get a good team of people together, don't have it be sort of a solo kind of effort. Yeah. Do you feel that that now that you're further into your career, mm-hmm. all of those traits, all of those experiences have helped mold you into a, a much more refined designer or a communicator, a visual communicator um, that you would not see in your peers? Definitely. I, mean, I think a big, you know, as sort of like I've grown, I feel like I'm more and more tried to or I've, I find myself in leadership positions where I'm working a team and like finding places for people to fit in. And I feel like that was sort of like supplanted in, like in that early undergraduate education and communications where you're forced to like have these in- group projects and uh, work together. So then you had a really good experience in undergrad, it sounds mm-hmm. like, in finding what you really wanted to do. Yeah. But you're also talking about how you felt like you were lacking some of these former skills. So then when you were walking out of undergrad, 
how did you feel walking in and figuring out where you belonged out in the world? I mean, I feel like I came out of undergrad not necessarily. I didn't know that I didn't oh, okay. had those you, skills. You didn't know you didn't know. Yet. No, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah. I, you know, jumped right in it right out of undergrad. I had an internship, a graphic design internship at the museum of Massachusetts museum of contemporary art mm-hmm. It's called mass mocha. It's in Western Massachusetts. It's this beautiful campus, uh, this old uh, converted mill factory. That's, now this kind of creative hub uh, in kind of rural Massachusetts. And uh, it was it was amazing. It was just a um, really fun uh, kind of atmosphere for creativity and art. And I really enjoyed sort of applying graphic design to the kind of different parts of the museum, like collateral, uh, exhibition signage, um, you know, website, posters, like all those things that uh, the museum needed. So that was part of the internship, and I was there for eight months. And that Mm -hmm. was, you know, I think partly a turning point to know that like, I didn't want to do all these other parts of communications. I wanted to do specifically graphic design Mm -hmm. was about typography and visual form making and those, those type of things. And, and internship at Mass Mocha was a kind of a a big push to do that. And so then did you feel after that internship, you're ready to like jump in it and do it definitely I, mean, I feel like at that point after that internship i like only applied for creative graphic designer ju- junior creative graphic designer mm-hmm. um as opposed to like looking at like more multidisciplinary um fields yeah. yeah world so yeah after that i um, got a job at george washington university doing mm-hmm. graphic design for uh that school down in washington dc that was a blast too i mean having you know spent four years in college i kind of knew the world there and so it was an easy fit you know make design and make graphics for university and mm-hmm. at the same time you know like I, I loved it I loved my undergraduate education so I think as far as the content and like that storytelling part like I knew what you know the stories were and I, I was excited to help, help tell them in a visual medium. So was it then after you spent some time there that you decided to go back to, or was there something else in between there? So that's really the turning point, I think, is like when I decided, uh, okay, like now I need to go to grad school. So, and I've kind of jumped around a few different places. So after um, being at George Washington, I moved to Boston and was a graphic designer uh, at a travel company called EF. Mm -hmm. And that was another uh, kind of passion of mine was like travel and doing that. And that was like, Finding a job that I could do graphic design for travel uh, was really great. And it was uh, this company, EF, like sold you those tours. And so I did graphic design, you know, kind of to promote that um, on kind of print materials and web. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was fun. It was, you know, a blast. I got to do a little bit of traveling. But it was very much like an in-house team that, you know, didn't feel like I was getting the full breadth of what design could be as opposed to working in the studio where I think those are like uber creative jobs in some ways, or at least it was back then. My thought was to like, Oh, I want to work at a design studio. How do I do that? I think I need to go back to grad school because I want to learn these additional skills. I want to polish some of my um, skills that I didn't get in undergrad, not having a formal design uh, education. And I really wanted to like connect to um, a design community and a creative community that like I could, have the rest of my life. While I really liked my undergraduate degree at Webster University, there wasn't really much of a design community coming out of it or necessarily a a, a good community of 
to tap into and uh, applied to a, a few different grad schools, got into the design program at UW and University of Washington and uh, moved out to Seattle with, with my girlfriend, who's now my wife. And we moved from Boston to Seattle and we were just, you know, thrilled to, you know, come out here and we thought we'd be out here for two years and we ended up staying for five and really enjoyed the, the design program at UW and um, kind of all that it entailed. Mm-hmm. I actually want to touch on something that you had mentioned right there about having a design community. Moving from St. Louis to Boston, how were you able to find a uh, design community? Well, I think um, I moved from St. Louis to Massmoka, which is in Western Mass, so it's actually three hours from Boston. Oh, wow. So you're in a rural atmosphere, um, and it's like kind of in the middle of nowhere. Um and there was an awesome creative community there that was part of the museum. And I really loved that. And that like was easy to tap into. And I really enjoyed that. And then I went down to Washington, D.C. And then from there, I went to Boston. But both times I went, you know, moving to Washington, D.C., not knowing, really knowing anybody. And then moving to Boston and certainly not really being in tap with the design community. I really, I, I found that lacking. You know, I, I didn't really know a lot of people and get connected to the design community and that was I think one of the things that urged me to go to design school and get my master's was like I want to be connected I want to know the people I want to kind of be challenged kind of decided oh grad school is the way that I'm going to do that as opposed to there's plenty of ways to get involved with you know a design community of going to events and stuff like that but I knew grad school would kind of force me to do that in a way that uh, I wouldn't be able to otherwise or it would just be more difficult. Yeah. I, I often wonder because I have students who have over the years asked me, well, I need to stay around here. Or I need to get a job mm-hmm. around here because this is the community that I have. Yeah. I don't know. I, would, and I find that intriguing. Sure. Yeah. I think, you know, you know, organizations like AIGA or Creative Mornings like those are great. And I'd go to those all the time in Boston and, um, you know, did those in, you know, various cities. I think those op- give an opportunity to kind of get connected. This is you're probably going to get a few of these plugs, but like having gone to UW, it's great because like obviously I got tapped into the design community in Seattle, but their alumni are everywhere. So I'm tapped into any city almost across the globe. Obviously, New York and San Francisco have these really great, robust UW uh, design alum communities, and so does Boston. And so that's one thing that I really and I didn't really know that when I went to grad school, but like coming out of it, I realized, oh, like, I can go to any city and really kind of have a few connections uh, just because the design program is pretty spread out. It doesn't necessarily stay in Seattle, but it's certainly quite robust in in Seattle. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if other design schools that are on smaller scales really kind of have that to offer. Um, And I think that's one of the benefits to UW. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I think the other thing about, about going to, like, the mixers and, like, formal networking things is it just feels so shallow sometimes Mm -hmm. and i think one thing because networking is a byproduct of going to grad school for me that i wasn't like consciously thinking about when i went into it Uh but i've noticed how much i've done it since i've been in it Mm -hmm. um but i feel like i've been doing it in a different way Mm -hmm. where you're actually creating having meaningful uh purposeful conversations with people rather than feeling like you're going after them, you know, absolutely. That makes sense. Yeah. And I don't know if you agree with this, but I I feel like grad school, you know, just 
having that graduate level of design school made started made me think of design in a bigger way mm-hmm. as opposed to oh like I go to these mixers because I want to get a better job or something yeah. like that yeah so now I've got this whole vocabulary and uh, this wider set of interests so that when I go to those events I want to talk about like what they're doing and what you know what common interests there are and the mm-hmm. conversations just become more robust just because I feel like I have more experience with creative endeavors and, and what people are kind of up to and interested in. Yeah. So did you have, we're up to you being in grad school yeah. now. Did you have any other major takeaways from that experience? Um, from going to graduate school? Yeah. I mean, I think what, you know, what it, what it did for me was definitely focused, you know, I was able to really brush up on my kind of formal skills and, you know, kind of really hone those. I feel like they were a little bit rough before that. And coming out of grad school, I felt like I was really polished there. But the bigger thing was more that high-level design theory, design thinking that um, has been really beneficial. And I feel like that's been a nice um, way that I've been able to, like, get these interesting jobs post-grad school is with that, that, that graduate-level education just up-levels the conversation automatically when you go to interviews. And I would just have, uh, a, like, a better vocabulary and that I would be able to have that type of thinking that, you know, I think employers and people were interested in getting the kind of high-level design thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a big uh, takeaway from that. And then, like I said, just being able to be connected. So coming out of grad school, I really didn't go to, like, the websites that posted all the design jobs. You know, it mm-hmm. was more or less someone knows somebody, and that's how I got an interview. And that's the way it's been since, you know, I've been out of grad school for five years now. And um, you know, I've had a few different jobs, but they've all been through somebody that I've known through UW, actually. So, and I think that's oftentimes a lot of th- where the good jobs lie is like those ones where you got to know someone, which is difficult for, you know, designers that are starting out or don't have those connections. Um, but you just got to work your community and kind mm-hmm. of like engage and, and find, you know, where there's common interests and uh, follow those, those leads. So then when you got out of grad school, it sounds like you pulled upon pulled upon a little bit of that history in the internship of doing work in the museum. Mm-hmm. Yep. And went and worked at the EMP, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Soon after I uh, graduated in 2010, I was uh, exhibit graphic designer at the EMP for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And um, or maybe less than a couple of years, maybe like a, a good solid uh, year. And uh, that was a blast. I mean, if, if, if you're listeners aren't familiar with the EMP museum, I would definitely check it out. It's this music sci-fi pop culture museum that has these exhibits that are just really fun. Um, like Hendrix guitar collection, uh, like a Nirvana exhibit. And uh, when I was there, I got to work specifically on some of the more pop culture exhibits and did a design for uh, a horror film retrospective exhibit, as well as um, a fantasy exhibit. And then the other one I worked on was an Avatar exhibit based on the movie. I remember um, those two. When you were going through that experience, because um, you obviously you were working in a lot of different mediums mm-hmm. throughout that, and I imagine there was probably at some point you were presenting with working in a way or doing something that you'd probably never done before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm guessing probably a lot, maybe. Yeah. How did you work your way through that? Um, I think, you know, when it would come to like some of the more, you know, I didn't have a lot of experience with kind of three dimensional, like, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, more kind of like set design stuff. 
so, you know, there was someone on the project that was kind of responsible for that. So I would sort of like, you just, you, it's a collaborative effort to like, be like, oh, how does my, you know, graphic design skills, how, how can they merge with yours as opposed to trying to like jump into that world myself? I think one of the things that I really appreciated about that is that it's always the narrative that has been driving the actual uh, project itself. And so moving forward with your your different projects that you've done, I think you did also, uh, was it uh, Nicholstown? Oh, Nicholsville. Yeah. Nicholsville. Mm-hmm. Nicholsville was that it was based off of all of this content that you had developed and putting it together didn't seem like it was high touch, but really it was the content that really drove the force of, of a project like that. Absolutely. I mean, I think with a lot of these projects, the part of the goal is, you know, um, you know, with the Nicholsville, which is um, uh, a homeless tent city in uh, Seattle that um, essentially was getting kind of pushed around to different locations and kind of being made uh, illegal by uh, uh, the mayor, uh, Greg Nichols, in sort of the uh, 2010, uh, 2009 time. Um, and... Um, you know, with that project or the EMP exhibit, the goal, I think, in a lot of ways for a designer tackling those things is for the viewer or the user to come away not thinking, oh, wow, that was really well designed, but more or less like, oh, wow, I, I, I like we should solve this homeless problem in Seattle or like find a way to, you know, aid this group or like, oh, like I, I like I understand why horror film uh, has a place in our culture and what it means. And so you want those people to take away like the content and the story and not necessarily the visual aesthetics or the the cool, you know, grunge that you did or, you know, like those type of trendy kind of elements, but like really try to design it in a way that the takeaway is the story and the content. And I think that's, that's you know, what I think, um, you know, a lot of designers try to do and I, and I kind of really connect with those type of motives and in some ways um, you know design is you know best when it's unseen and kind of like uh, taking a backseat to story and content yeah and and using that phrase content is king mm-hmm. do you feel that that was uh, brought to your attention as an undergraduate or as a graduate student I guess maybe like as a phrase and as like something to sort of strive for. Definitely, that was something that I kind of tapped into in grad school, um, and you know, having you know, with a lot of the interest I have in uh, typography, I feel like it's 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 great. You know, I feel like uh, you know something like typography is all about the words and what those words mean is is what is should be the forefront. So. Um, I think when you have a medium like typography, like the content king really kind of um, feels like an applicable thing. Um, and it's it's a, a nice it's it, it's a nice way to find, you know, creative inspiration. You know, I think that's a big part with any project I work on is like, where where do you find or any designer? Like, where do you find inspiration? And I feel like um, finding an inspiration in the content is like a, a, always like the best way or it, I don't know it seems like a, a great way to like really find original ideas as opposed to chasing trends or uh, you know looking for aesthetic tricks hmm. I see Chad nodding his head the same as me and in the corner of my eye I see in unison we're both like yes yes and I think it, it may be you know having done a lot of interesting projects in undergrad and kind of before grad school maybe I, that was 
sort of part of it, but like grad school made it more formal and made it and kind of taught me to think about it and write, you know, kind of art, you know, papers and, you know, essays on like why that is, you know, the, the way that we, you know, like want to shape design and move design uh, forward into the future. Do you feel that mindset of not wanting to follow trends or whatever is trendy or current right now has informed the kind of work you've done in more recent years? So I, th- I think so. Like, uh, you know, after the EMP, I, I um, worked at um, the Microsoft Envisioning uh, Lab in Redmond working on sort of uh, software prototypes built around productivity in the home, productivity in the office. Mm-hmm. Um, that was really about kind of exploring just like two to five to ten years out, like what is – what does software feel like or what is, you know, um, how do these scenarios get expressed uh, in software? And my role was like, what's the visual uh, kind of systems and graphic design look and feel for those type of things. So having done that in, in my current job uh, as a creative director at Tectonic, uh, a lot of the projects we work on are envisioning projects that um, work with companies to think about their vision uh, five, two to three to five years out. So having you know working in that envisioning space i feel like there is you are kind of very aware of like where you're pushing the visual look and feel so um what's 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 the next thing is sort of um a lot of the kind of research and uh work is done there uh so i think whether you call it trends or just like um, whatever's the latest, you kind of always want to see what is next. And so mm-hmm. I think a part of the job I do now is definitely kind of concerned with that uh, from an aesthetic point of view. But I think, you know, going back to that content is king, that's really where you want to, you know, still push and find your motivations motivations there. Mm-hmm. So when you're working on projects now, is it kind of figuring out, I'm, I'm trying to figure out, as you're kind of peeking around the corner to help define what the future of those experiences are like, mm-hmm. um, are you primarily looking at this is how we currently do things? This is what isn't working. This is how we can make that content, for example, uh, be delivered better mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in a in like a way of the future. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I think there's. Um, you know, an element of like, all right, let's do an audit of, you know, this this tech company and kind of look at the way that they're um, kind of engaging their users or the consumers or the customers um, and kind of identify maybe some of the visual metaphors that they're using and how, how, do, how are those helping or hurting uh, their product? You know, are they, you know, using metaphors that aren't that elegant or that are a little bit cumbersome? I mean, if you think, you know, of this whole transition from, skeuomorphic design that had this purpose of getting people to understand technology and bridge this gap between, uh, you know, what is an iPhone? Like, what does it do? Like, all right, let me make a desktop look like a desktop or let me make the address book uh, have a, you know, a leather cover. It was like those things were necessary to help people kind of get into the, you know, digital kind of software age. And we don't need those anymore. That's great. Like, we like people understand what these apps do and what they um, can express. And so we don't need to lean on those metaphors. We can lean on more interesting metaphors that put content first. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's sort of, I think something that I was kind of a part of in grad school and 
um, do now as sort of a, a day job. And I think that's sort of that transition from skeuomorphism into Metro, into Google material. Like, I feel like that's sort of the last five years in um, the challenge now is like, okay, what's the next thing? Like, mm -hmm. okay, we did that. We know that like content is king and, you know, you don't want to have a, a cumbersome Chrome filled experience. Um, that's not, that's not the default. So how do we push it even further and find clever ways of, um, you know, putting together uh, information and content and getting it out there to the, to the user. And I think uh, there's lots of ways to do it and it's, it's tough. You know, it doesn't, I don't know if we've solved it, you know, found a, a discrete answer, mm -hmm. but every project kind of like has its own path. Um, and we kind of figure out solutions, um, kind of trying different pathways as opposed to, you know, doing one, doing it one way and applying that to every client. Yeah. yeah. I think one conversation that's been happening, or I feel like that's been coming up a lot lately is, um, designers being conscious of there was the move from print to digital, which is primarily screen based. But now as we're beginning to think, um, of technology and all of these other spaces, what does, what does design begin to look like when screen based interfaces are no longer the norm? Yeah. In the, it, but that's like far out in the future. It's not but, that far. I mean, yeah. in, in some ways, you know, like I feel like wearables and that whole mm -hmm. space, like how does, um, you know, someone, you know, like, like the three of us were versed in visual graphic design. Mm -hmm. How does, how does our role apply to a world that like doesn't need that, that, you know, like the information is just there or it's served up in a way that, um, you know, isn't so formal like it's been, uh, as in print design and that sort mm -hmm. of thing. Um, and I feel like that's where you just lean on kind of design thinking in a bigger way. Like you don't think of yourself as a graphic designer. You think of yourself as a designer that solves problems regardless of medium. And I think that's a big pivot or a, a, an important thing to like motivate designers to like not be a niche kind of designer, but really kind of think of yourself as someone that can um, problem solve for a myriad of, of, of problems and, um, you know, come up with ideas and concepts. Um, and then, you know, when those ideas and concepts do have a visual form, go do that part of the project. I feel like that's kind of how I f find myself uh, in these different projects. Mm -hmm. That's good advice because it's saying don't pigeonhole yourself into one location as to what you're doing right now. Think about what the future is going to need, mm -hmm. not just what you can study. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's always the hardest thing is, or if, for me, one of the most challenging things about design is being able to manage what you're doing currently while always having one eye in the future Yeah, is to like, making sure your eye is always there because it needs to be there. Yeah. And yeah. Well, and I feel like, I, f I feel like also finding opportunities to not necessarily feel that pressure of mm -hmm. solving these big problems, but like take a project here and there. That's like, Oh, this is a poster. I can do a poster. Like mm -hmm. I, I feel like I find those like having those every, you know, once in a while or every few months, um, like I felt, I feel, I feel like that's something that I enjoy is, you know, working on these big, heady, you know, kind of envisioning projects are great, but, you know, doing a, a logo design or a poster for a band 
or album art or something that's very much uh, in the traditional sense of graphic design, I feel like is something that I enjoy and feel like I, I need that part of my design life. I, I mean, like, do you guys feel like that's, do you connect to that part too? Or do you, like, how do you guys manage those those things? Um, well, I, I think that's a good question because, I mean, uh, like even for example, this summer, I was just like, oh, I'm thinking about things I'll need for when I get ready to like go back into the job market after I go to school. Mm-hmm. One thing was like, oh, well, I'll need thank you cards. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I haven't done a screen printing project in a while. I should just make my own. So I'm like in the grad studio, as you can see, like making this little like light room in mm-hmm. the uh, uh, cabinet under the sink yeah <laughs> like doing it as frank camaro would say the, the long hard stupid way yeah and just you know getting back <laughs> to like working with those things and even though reminding myself like even though that may not be directly relevant in some way it still differentiates me in some how and um i don't know i like doing it so why not yeah if it's a creative outlet yeah like, and you feel like those creative juices flowing and there's mm-hmm. like some passion to it. Yeah. That's got it. That's beneficial. Yeah. Yeah. These days I only do projects that I actually care about mm-hmm. and, um, hashtag privilege <laughs> and, <laughs> and that I only have the time for doing. Yeah. And so I usually have, uh, found myself doing maybe one project a year. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe two if I'm really pushing it, but, because of both my position at the university and the things that I'm involved in outside of school and family and, and what have you, yeah, I, I look at just the things that are important mm-hmm. uh, to me and to the causes that I believe in mm-hmm. or that, um, that still support something that is uh, non-commercial based. Yeah, that could have been a whole different theme for this conversation, but this idea of like, empathy and that as a design trait and um i feel like that's been part of my design education and it's such a a motivating factor that is sort of a subset of content and story yeah um but really uh kind of being empathetic to uh you know the cause of the project uh and you know understanding of like you know where you've come from where you're going i think that's really um beneficial and even to like you have those jobs where, you know, it is more of a commercial endeavor. Um, you can still apply empathy to those things. Like, no, definitely. Yeah. Be yeah. empathetic to that client that has these problems, you know, like, yeah. um, or be empathetic to the user of, you know, this product that it doesn't work. You know, I feel like that's, that's such motivation uh, with empathy in commercial projects and those sort of like passion, uh, you know, for good uh, design efforts too. Yeah. Well, Ben, thank you for being on the show again. Um, this was a wonderful conversation. Yeah, thank um, you. You've had a wonderful history, and uh, thank you for sharing it with our listeners. Absolutely. Thank you. It's been a blast. This is Design School is recorded at the KPLU Studios. For additional information about each episode, visit thisisdesign.school. The intro music for This is Design School is Electronic Nostalgic, composed by Paul Tyen, and published under the Creative Commons on SoundCloud. We'd love to hear what you like, what you don't like, and what you want to hear on the show. Join us on Twitter at JP Avila and at Chad P. Hall. Also, don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. And share us with your designer friends. Bye for now. <laughs>